I just wanted to let you know that this is a review of the second to last episode of Amazon's show, The Rings of Power. And I know you're hoping for the Silmarillion shows and they are coming back after we finish the last episode of The Rings of Power next week. But the good news is, is The Rings of Power won't be back for another two years. So we're going to have two straight years of going through Tolkien's original works. Uh, and so in two weeks, you'll hear us back onto the Silmarillion. Thanks for bearing with us. I hope you enjoy our reviews of The Rings of Power. We talk a lot about, you know, where they deviate quite dramatically from Tolkien's work. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, and I hope you join us in two weeks again when we'll be back onto the Silmarillion going through Tolkien's actual words. Well, we did it. We got through episode seven of The Rings of Power. We are Yay. officially 87.5% of the way through The Rings of Power, only 12.5% to go. A baker's dozen plus half an egg. Or no, right. a dozen plus half an egg, not a baker's dozen. Um, but it's it's been a ride. Perhaps this episode more happens than has happened in the previous six combined, which made it better than the previous six combined, in my opinion. But we'll get into that. Before we do, uh, I want to let you guys know that we have a patron situation on the website, thewondering.com slash patron. You can go there. It's free for the first month, $4 after. We've got message boards. We've got uh, chat, extended podcast, all that good stuff. Uh, and it's free if you get started right now. Uh, you can chat as much as you want as for this last episode of The Rings of Power that's coming out in a week or so, a few days. Uh, and we'd love to have you there. The conversations are fun. And uh, we get some feedback from you guys on what you think about how bad or how good our videos are. Hopefully, hopefully how good, even though, you know, we're willing to learn. You can always learn. <laughs> most unlike, of all, most importantly some, of all. Unlike some characters in, in this show. All right, so <laughs> uh, be, let, let's jump into it, I guess. Uh, and I think the best place to start is probably right here with uh, what has been affectionately called, affectionately if it means hugging like a sea urchin, uh, affectionately called uh, Galadriel's <laughs> Cheeto moment or yes. the Cheetos factory explosion because somehow everything is... <laughs> orange and tasty yeah um, and, and this is a perfect shot because because this is you know there was there was great hope i mean it wasn't real hope because we all knew galadriel was going to continue through but at the end of the last episode we saw what was clearly i mean i i always feel like i feel like this our title to this episode jonathan should be something like they're all dead because <laughs> because clearly they, they had to be because that kind no of pyroclastic um yeah volcanic eruption is would not and you can't hide behind the usual there's there's a lot of folks on the internet specifically who hide behind the well this is a fantasy so why do you care so much that that there's le there's levels of you know there's such things that are slightly illogical because this is a world that when there's, there's magic but you can't hide behind that because if if you believe that elves can be cut with swords and burnt with fire etc then a pyroclastic volcanic blast traveling at 500 plus miles an hour and around 1200 to 1500 degrees would strip the flesh from their bones or like Pompeii, turn them all to ash versions of themselves fairly instantly. And we see behind in this image, what we see behind is they've done a pretty effective job of what that kind of blast would do to a building. So here you look at the building in the frame, mm -hmm. like it's it, everything except the structure and only bare bones of the structure okay. are yeah. themselves. Uh, everything else yeah. has been incinerated 
but not magical. just incinerated, but collapsed like the strength of yeah. it. Like everything is is yeah, it's utterly it's destroyed. been hit by some by a natural bomb essentially. And you know, props because that's good. That's exact. That's probably something like what would happen in the, that kind of volcanic explosion. Except magically, everyone's flesh, not even the not just the elves, but the, what happens is they get burned and crushed by buildings. But the the blast of the volcano itself has no effect on people. So, well, she is wearing armor. I mean, what armor? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Plot armor. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, it, uh, I don't even know what to say. Right? We've talked about how uh, they have problems with time and distance and, and making things uh, line up in, the, in, the, in that timeline. But here they're just explicitly going against the very fabric of reality. And, yeah. and like you said, Michael, people will say that uh, Middle Earth is not reality. Well, in fact, Middle Earth was based on English history in a way that he wanted to create a, a mythology for it. So yes, it was based in our world in some ways. And so the laws of physics have to take. And if you're saying the entire village is destroyed and only a few people have died, uh, then you're not living the same reality that the rest of us in this entire universe are. Yep. And uh, it, it pulls you out of the show completely. The reality that you've presented. So lack of immersion. All right. So fair enough. Not fair enough. Horrible enough. <laughs> this is not fair at all. So they wander around and they they um, they they try to save people. So Galadriel you know, takes on Theo like motherly Galadriel. I think All of a um, Theo, Theo asks her, "Are you hurt?" And she says, "No." In my mind, immediately, but no plot armor. So <laughs> she's, um, so she just wanders off with him. I, I didn't get that when I watched it the other night. She just literally wanders away with him from the. Mm -hmm. Doesn't help anybody else. Is that what happens? I guess looks like it. Looks like it. This is this is one of those weird parts, right? Because the rest of this episode, we're going to see her and Theo together wandering around, trying to apparently trying to find. But they all started within a. You were saying earlier, Jonathan, like a hundred yard radius of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So so the fact that she would then wander, wander out of the away. village, yeah, and wa wander out for miles. And so, with yeah, Theo and talk about how we we have to just go up to that ridge. That's where the encampment is. Why didn't she try to reach them when they were actually within? I don't know. You know, a few feet of her. Yeah. And, she doesn't help doesn't... anybody. I mean, this this is in character with her, right? She leaves the cold, <laughs> frozen people behind. She'll leave the burning, dying people behind, too. It's perfectly within character. They've written her that way, and it works. Except except I do want to point out that what we're going to see in this episode is bipolar Galadriel. Because yeah. you're right, Jonathan, that this is perfectly in character with her um, personality, as we've been shown for the last six episodes. But magically, or by, in a bipolar fashion, she switches this episode. So it's, it's, it, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Did you guys see the articles that people were linking to on Twitter where it was like, here's how scientists think that it could work? Like, you know, it's like really? the Amazon showrunners are like, uh, you know, referring to actual scientists that, you know. <laughs> nope. Adding water to a volcano could result in, you know, it's just like. Did they, did they have this whole like paper mache volcano with baking soda, baking soda <laughs> and vinegar? And we're like, see, this is how it works. You pour yeah. vinegar into the baking soda. And, it, um, and the problem with the, the whole thing is that a, a volcano that is uh, that has a an eruption from water. Almost certainly that water has to be pressurized and it has to be, be built up. And so the steam causes an actual eruption, particularly if that steam is going to erupt other uh, pieces of mass, right? Mm -hmm. Like those large lava balls that we saw flying out. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. All right. So sadly, we get on to the Harfoots, the dirty little sociopaths, our favorite characters to hate. Yeah, we, um, we got a lot of DLSs this, uh, this episode, sadly. 
what I liked again, the unreality of I, I didn't I didn't see anywhere else that was burned except this one spot, the where they had to be, the one orchard. And so in these long shots, we we where is the rest of the destruction? I couldn't figure out where the volcano was in relation to them. And then later they make the point that you need to go to uh, 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 Merkwood, right? Uh, Greenwood, Greenwood the Great. The Great. And that's that's where they are, and this is this is where the volcano hit, for all the way near Greenwood, all the way near Merkwood, from a water volcano that within within sight of Merkwood. That's what within, that's how within sight, yeah. Which which can't be that far. I mean, we're not talking like you know a hundred leagues. We're talking probably ten, fifteen. No, no. You can put you can put an image of a map up. At, uh, you know when we do the but yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. It's it's unrealistic. I mean. It is in one sense, right? Another sense, like if you have a super volcano go off, then you could have a whole you well, know, sure. part, of, part of a planet uh, affected. But um, I don't think that this isn't being described as a super volcano because even the Numenorean um, camp, which is up on the ridge above the town, is in this beautiful little idyllic area, which is apparently untouched by the by the volcano. So it's weird. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I had a question. Why were they picking the bad fruit? Like these hobbits are really stupid because <laughs> like, so they're in, like you pointed out, Dan, I'm not, um, Dan, um, Jonathan, there's, there's a bunch of trees and some of them have been roasted and some of them have not, as you can see from the long shots, there's like, there's sporadic destruction. Um, and they're like, they have a shot of them picking just the bad food. Yeah, maybe maybe they're like roasted or baked apples at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah, they need to like, hey, we them. don't have to cook them. They're already that's, pre-cooked. I don't know. I guess maybe that's right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have more unnecessarily angry magic by not Gandalf. Um and uh you know, every time he does he exerts power is like this he's he gets he goes into this rage and it's i mean they're trying to create this idea where he may be bad like this is the clear point it's like ooh, it's all threatening and menacing yeah. the way he does magic and um which is just contrived and nobody believes it because you know because we he ends know, up do yeah right we, we, and they make clear later in the episode who the real bad guys are yeah so you know right away like oh he is a good guy and nobody's like you said nobody's been questioning uh who he is since the very beginning although now we can certainly question who the cultists are all right so moving on uh unless you have something more to say regarding the dls's i had one thing which was this is the scene in which we see um uh, uh female frodo's sister almost get hit by a branch and you'll you will we'll find later when we come back to the dls's it is actually perfectly within their character if you remember back in the previous two episodes ago or actually maybe last episode they the um uh, the leader of the dls is this guy um is his wife suggested basically a um killing the um female frodo's family yeah because taking their wheels off and then consigning them to death essentially why did she suggest that because they're, they they weren't finding the food they were expecting in a certain area, and so they were. She was blaming the not Gandalf. So her like her conclusion in her head was it must be the big guy that's been following us for like a week. So so therefore we should kill them. That was her. That was her solution. <laughs> and now you see here more of that same um, sociopathic logic where everyone's like all shocked because the the sister comes running up just like just like Nori, not uh, you know female Frodo 
grabbed not Gandalf's arm when he was icing his arm and then she got hurt because of it. Now this, her sister, apparently it's genetic. So her sister comes <laughs> running up while, while magic is being done on the tree and the tree splits at least part of it and all, and a branch almost hits her. And the conclusion of the tribe is not what an idiot teenage the kid that ran up while this, while magic was happening, but Oh my gosh, he must be evil. We must abandon him. Like they're they're that's their basically their solution to everything is when Just something bad happens, yeah. somebody has to die. <laughs> somebody has to be abandoned if, if anything bad happens to us. What do you so, mean? They have that speech later in the show, which we'll mm, get to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have things to say about that speech. So let's let's keep going. Yeah. All right. So so we can leave the Harfoots behind. And we can go back into Moria, where Elrond makes the plea against uh, for uh, with Durin the Third for mining Mithril. This is actually um, this is kind of where the show finally picks up for me. Mm. So, like up until now, we've had six episodes, seemingly where like all the decisions, the major decisions made by major characters, you you can't really sort out or figure out their motivations. It's like they're almost schizophrenic. It's like Tar Muriel deciding to go to Middle Earth. Why? Because she saw flowers fall from a tree. Like it, <laughs> it's like you, you don't you don't have any um, motivations that are rooted in like who the character is. Mm-hmm. And like in here, you finally get characters like uh, uh, Durin the is it Durin the Third, who's the older king. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and he's you know like you you have you have motivations that are rooted in who that character is. So like Durin is going to be protective of his people. Um, he's going to be suspicious of outsiders. And so you have that as his character. Now he's going to say things and do things that make sense for that character. Like up until now, you just like, like why, like Galadriel giving a speech about humility. It's like, well, why would she do that? Yeah. So far you haven't shown me that's what, who she is or, you know, or like the hop, the, the Harfoots making decisions of like, we got to go over here. Why? Yeah. I don't know. We're just going to go over there. Like they, yeah. they don't really show you, they don't show you these characters and their motivations, but what they have done it with the dwarves. They have shown you these are who they are. This is what they're like, and then you see them play that out in different scenarios. and And I'm I'm, I'm enjoying that part of the story. Yeah, I, I to- agree. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think this character here, Durin the Third, is uh, his acting is probably the the top tier of the show. Yeah, um, yeah. He does I agree. his his voice, his eyes, and just his lips and mouth. Like. It, in all that makeup and all the prosthetics and, and the hair, he still comes across in the right way as either pitiable like or he pities other people or he's angry or he's somber and sullen, right? He comes across really well. Uh, and in fact, most of the dwarves, like even, even this Durin, even though I think he's, you know, he's a, he's a beta Durin in the way that uh, he cries way too easily, just like <laughs> Ellen Dill, like the, like we're going to make our men cry. But the females, they hold it in. So, uh, well, it, it, well, that's. I, I want to. I want to build on that because I agree with you 100%. Dan, um, the, one of the things that makes this whole um, tableau and everything about the dwarf story and dwarf and Elrond story, I'll call it, um, um, actually interesting to watch is that their characters they have established motivations and they are believable. Yeah. Um, Durin the Third is the only adult in the show so far. Um, mm. Like he, he mm. actually makes decisions based on like the way a king should make decisions based on yeah. the good for his people he has he has the attitude of a father he really is a father to his son both with tenderness and love as well as with with um, um 
consequences and holding him responsible for what he's done. And he's he and his acting, Owain Arthur, I think is the man's name, yeah, the actor's name. Right. Really, really, I agree with you, Jonathan. First rate acting. Um, it must be hard in that kind of get makeup to 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 do that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This scene particularly struck me both with his um, um, Durin's um, you know res- maturity during the thirds and during the fourths immaturity. During the fourth is being told to us, and, and this is consistent. They've they've showed this over. He kind of has the maturity of a teenager. Reminds me like I'm like I'm watching what's that um, what's that uh, show based on the Archie comics um, River. Riven, Riverdale. Riverdale. Riverdale, I think. I, I watched like one episode years That's ago. That's a deep dive there, but go on. I don't know yes. about that. Yes. So, so it's, but it's like these. So, Durin the Fourth is like the, 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 the teenage protagonist in those shows. Like they hold things like personal friendship with Elrond in his, in Durin the Fourth case, as the highest good, like a teenager does. Like, like mm, to like them, the, yeah. The, yeah, the idea that you would, risk people's lives like dwarves lives in the mine um in order to help your friend is totally worth it like they because they mm-hmm. there's a kind of like their personal enduring the force personal friendship is with elrond is more important to him he's no king he's not even a good uh, a good prince in that yeah, regard yeah but he is consistent and and then during the third his father has one of the five favorite um references in this entire season um it's pretty cool. I don't know if Jonathan can jump to that sure. point um, because because he actually he actually makes this reference when he's telling them um, his son the decision that he's not going to help the elves um, mine for uh, what I'm now calling mithracillin um, because it's a combination of mithril <laughs> and penicillin. So, so so he's not going to mine for mithracillin, which magically <laughs> removes um, removes uh, bacteria, evil yeah. um, upside down bacteria. Um, so there's a he, he's telling him this he he has this great quote where he seems to be referencing something that in our other podcast on the Silmarillion we recently covered which was the Doom of Mandos so he seems to know about the Doom of Mandos about Mandos's words um, he doesn't reference them by quoting because I know they don't have the IP rights for that but he makes okay. this oblique reference which is really cool so he says yeah the fate of the elves was decided many ages ago by minds much wiser much farther seen than our own. Those are the Valar he's talking about. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it's funny because it makes me think right away. He speaks from experience, whereas the, the, like you said, he's like a teenager. That, I love that analogy that you have of, of during the fourth right here and the way that he's speaking and his voice is rising and getting a little bit whiny. Mm-hmm. But as we've learned from previous episode, he's lived a whole life waiting for Elrond to come <laughs> hang out with him. <laughs> who's, who's like, a, so you missed my whole life, man. Yeah. And who's like a years. brother fo- forged in the same womb, apparently. Yeah. yeah, we find that out later. Yeah, he's he really does. So this is a great line, though. During the third says, defy their will and this entire kingdom might fall. In other words, during the fourth, during the third, rather, the wise Durin is saying perhaps the entire Middle Earth. So he's saying, don't go against the will of the Valor. The Valor had determined the elves were going to fall long ago. And that I, I have to give props to this to the writers in this in this particular storyline at this moment, you know, despite what we don't like many things. Um yeah. I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna quote from the Silmarillion. This is from the chapter called "Of the Flight of the." Why Nibble. would I mind that? Just... <laughs> so the elves have just slain their kin under Fionor's leadership, and they're fleeing the land of the Valar, um, and they're 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 heading towards Middle Earth. And Mandos, one of the greater Valar, uh, appears to them and 
pronounces a doom, and he ha- and he first has a doom regarding the vows of F- that Fionor and his kin took um, in order to follow Fionor to the to Middle Earth, and then he has another part, a second part of it, and I think that part is what Durin the Third is referencing here. Mm-hmm. Um, Mando says, "Ye have spilled the blood of your kindred unrighteously and have stained the land of Amun. This is the land of the Valar." For blood ye shall render blood, and beyond Amun ye shall dwell in death's shadow. For though Eero appointed you to n- die not in Ea, and no sickness may assail you, yet slain ye may be, and slain ye shall be, by weapon and by torment and by grief, and your houseless spirits shall come then to Mandos. There long shall ye abide and yearn for bodies, and find little pity, though all who ye have slain should entreat for you. And those that endure in Middle-earth, this is the elves that we're looking at in this show right now, and those yeah. that endure in Middle-earth and come not to Mondos shall grow weary of the world as with a great burden and shall wane and become as shadows of regret before the younger race that cometh after. The Valar have spoken. So he's talking about a downfall. Now, in this show, um, they make uh, the, the downfall of the elves this this stupid invasion by the upside down that rots their trees and then takes their <laughs> life which is all uh, all idiocy but in this line here during the third is i think referencing the, th- the the doom of mandos has pronounced that the elves that 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 the valar have ind- indeed pronounced their doom on the elves and the elves are destined to wane and die in middle earth um just not in this the, the dumb way that the show says. So I, I really had to give them props for that line. Is that is that physical death that they're pronouncing, or is it just kind of like a fading away into irrelevancy or a fading away into I mean I, I mean he does he does say that some of them will die because they're 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 on this war of vengeance and that's not gonna end well for them. Right. Right. Yeah. He does he does proclaim that some of them are gonna die, you know, by the sword essentially through violence. Yeah. But then the others he's talking about, he said they grow weary as with a great burden. And we know from the Silmarillion that elves who grow weary can actually die and pass away from their weariness. They can just get mm. real tired mm-hmm. of the world and they can die that way. But and it's not shall... an external force that creeps along the veins Correct. of a it's... leaf. Well, it, exactly, because he specifically <laughs> says in earlier, as I read, and no sickness may assail you, Um he doesn't say that's that that is being taken away from them. He says, yeah. you can't get sick. Well, there goes this whole premise of this entire show. They can't get sick. So <laughs> so uh, Amazon's failed there. But 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 he does talk about them um, growing weary and them waning mm. and becoming shadows of regret. And we know also from the uh, from the Lord of the Rings that the uh, that Galadriel herself the real Galadriel, will say to Frodo after she passes the test that she shall diminish and go into the West. So there's a diminishment that happens, and the elves are all diminishing after the rings of power, after the one ring is destroyed um, and, and, the, and the three rings which were preserving their home. So, so there's a real, um, I, I think there's a real theme here from actual Tolkien that during the third, but apparently during the third is the only one that has, that, that is actually a Tolkien character, the rest of them are, are not. Whoever's in charge of his writing has actually read the Silmarillion. The this is a great face that you stopped on. I, I, isn't it though? This, this is, is this is fantastic. This is right before the magic mithril, Mithrasilin, yep. uh, heals the dead leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, like I said, he cries. It's, yeah, oh. he just looks like a petulant teenager. I mean, like he's like yeah, props yeah, to the yeah, actor, yeah, man. Yeah. He's he's playing his part well because that's the way during the fourth was, and there and here we go, Mithrasilin. All it right. Just, it, it just it's amazing. kills all the infection. Look at that. 
Go ahead. I, 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 I was going to say, you know, we are kind of making fun of during the fourth, always crying. Um, but I will say that of all the relationships in the show, him and Elrond have been established to be the most meaningful. Hmm. Um, they have they have done the most work on that relationship anyway, of showing that they actually care, they actually love each other. Um, whereas yeah. other, other relationships in the show, they're like we're told that they love each other, and it's like, really? Why? Why? <laughs> show, they haven't shown yeah. us that, you know. So I don't know. So while the, I, and I would just I just want to point out with this Mithrasillin moment. What was fascinating to me about this was not that they're like that the Mithrasillin cures the the upside down um, bacteria, but but there but that they make this a plot point where the fact that it does is like this miraculous moment where then Durin the fourth young Durin changes his mind and and Deesa's all happy about that because she's trying to get him to rebel against his father, um, and, and and he decides to go against his father's will. What I what I found odd and sort of fascinating about that was it that why would this be like the turning point moment he already believed elrond that that mm -hmm. the mithrasillin was gonna gonna heal them it wasn't like this changed his mind like yeah. like, like everybody does apparently even during the third believes that mithrasillin can help the elves he's just saying very clearly no i'm not going to go against the will of valor i'm not going to risk my people to do this um nobody's doubting the that's a dumbass really good story um, that just means it's bad writing again the, Again, the, yeah. It's like they have to prove to us. They're not proving to the dwarves. They're proving to us that, no, 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 it really works. Or for all of those who after the last episode were saying, no, 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 this is simply a story that Celebrimbor is telling Elrond in order to get access to the Mithril. That's that's the only reason it's there. But here they're, they're doubling down. They're telling us, actually, Mithril, it is the magic suntan lotion that brings exactly. life back in them. It goes back to what we talked about. I think it was after the last episode, Michael, or maybe it was two ago when they first mentioned this. That um, if if this were true, Frodo's coat in the Fellowship of the Ring, it would be fought after by elves. It would, yeah, they would they would rub it on themselves. They would be they they would be glowing like they're pregnant, right? They would be. <laughs> <laughs> this thing would be worth more uh, than the rest of Rivendell if if it truly brought life to the elves and uh, to make this. I don't know to to. What they're going to do, you know what they're going to do is, is Mithril is going to play a part in making the rings and the rings are going to be the thing that bring them power. That's, they, they have to go somewhere along this line. And so they're going to, the dwarves are not going to want to give the ring, the Mithril, to, the, to make the ring. And it's just all very, uh, you can see where it's going re really easily. And, uh, and to make Mithril like this powerful junk is, is so I mean, it, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a lie based on when they say they have, they have, in that Hollywood Reporter article that came out last week, when they say they are faithful to Tolkien, that they have a fidelity to his works. Exhibit yeah. number one, where they're not telling us the truth. That's right. Also, I, I find this kind of plot point, as, as egregious as it is against Tolkien, peculiarly appropriate for our modern age and the materialism. Um, it's similar to a uh, very, very weirdly maybe, but similar to remember back in when the when the Star Wars um, prequels happened, and all of a sudden this concept. There, first we had the Force in the Star, original Star Wars movies, and then all of a sudden this what did they call the uh, Midichlorian Midichlorians? Midichlorians. Was it, say it again. Midichlorians. Midichlorians. Okay, so so they they had to invent in order to make it sort of more believable to a modern materialist audience. They had to invent yeah. the idea of the force being it can't be a spiritual thing because right. there's no such thing as spiritual thing. It had to really be like this biological thing, and so just like that, the the waning of the elves 
in the minds of the writers can't be due to something <laughs> spiritual. It has to be due to a bacteria that's yeah. infecting the they plants. Will, they will explain how mithril works to us, but they won't explain how a volcano doesn't burn people. <laughs> right they, the thing yeah. that is fantastical they have to they can't so be a right. science den denier there right they have yeah. to have the science they're sciencing behind it whereas uh -huh. the rest of the reality the science yeah, yeah, just accept it it doesn't matter i mean like, it's, it's, in some ways it's similar right it's both pseudoscience one is in, yeah. in fantastic pseudoscience <laughs> and the other one is just straight up pseudoscience yeah. so yeah. so there there's uh, to me showing us that the the effect of it so not only does the does the waning of the elves have to be due to some sort of physical ailment bacteria type stuff but also the therefore the remedy has to be something physical yeah um yeah. and and has to have this that's why we we're going to call it mithracillin from here yeah. on out because that's really what it is yeah yeah uh sad that they decided to double down on that uh but what they didn't double down on in this episode was getting galadriel into the same character because she's completely different now she yeah, has become bipolar galadriel. yeah she's become the uh wise mentor the obi-wan for theo uh and <laughs> and and somehow like we said before she's separated from the entire pack they decided to just wander off out of the village in a completely different direction so they're completely separated from everybody else who is in the village of 100 yards uh <laughs> and so she and theo it, all, all, the only reason that they do that is so that she can have a conversation with him and they can talk about important stuff like there's no other point to this whole this whole storyline in fact yeah. i don't even remember necessarily if it's important at all what they talk about other than her giving him some statements that she should have listened to herself i don't even, i don't even remember what so her this, this, this is are. the fourth scene of the sh of the episode. This is the back to Mordor. So we uh, part of this scene is Galadriel, and, the re and part of it is the Numenorians with Muriel. And in the Galadriel scene, the one thing that I, I saw them trying to do here was was tell us that you know Galadriel's um, teaching, as you said, uh, Jonathan Theo, and she says she's the rational one now, and she says that um, sh when Theo wants revenge, she says she dissuades him. Like contrary right. to her entire character in all six episodes, <laughs> all of a sudden she's the one against revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, but he 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 talks about how many orcs she's killed, and and he and, he, and he, she regrets he, it. He calls it good, and she says that she wouldn't call killing orcs good. The last episode, yeah. like minutes before the end of the last episode, she was spitting in Adar's <sighs> face and telling him how she was going to destroy his entire race and have and leave him alive to watch the destruction of his people, like sadism, <laughs> true sadism. And, and but now all of a sudden, uh, twenty minutes later, well, uh, I, I, calling, I think here's what I think. Is not good. Here's what I Mom. think is is the writers truly believed that. Um, the volcano is the climactic moment of her life. This is when everything changes for her, that <laughs> everything she fought for is now worthless. And so she has to rethink her entire life. And so now from this point forward, she's, mm -hmm. she's going to be more the Galadriel we know. I think you're right. I think they're trying to do that. It's just so unbelievable. Yeah. After six episodes of, of one note, horrible Galadriel that has, is driven by nothing but one note revenge right. has no skills well, uh, no social skills of any I kind have, no, uh, no compassion or pity all of a sudden bipolar Galadriel and we yeah. switch and now now she's different yeah I've got a theory about this that the first Galadriel died in the volcano <laughs> and now this is Galadriel the white coming back, oh, that's the, that's coming the back to you now from the, from the grave <laughs> all right I'm uh, going with that one yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility yep because it, it, it has happened before. Yeah, yeah I, I was also having that same thought when I was watching this last night when um, when she said that line about um, 
you know, do not call it good. It's something yeah. I have to do. It's necessary, but it's not a good thing that I'm killing all these orcs. And I'm like, you just threatened to exterminate the entire race of the orcs genocide. and make you were advocating genocide. <laughs> yep. So, so we're going to go with Dan's theory now. So, since we know that from time to time the Valar do in fact resurrect Send people back, that's right. Oh, actually, actually, it has to be Euro, um, really, but but um, it, it can be it, it can be both. So that's what happened. So Galadriel's so, actually dead. And well, and here's the thing: Galadriel. it could certainly happen because we know so far that Isildur is dead, and he has to come back to <laughs> right. life. Oh and gosh. then we find out soon after this that Celeborn is dead, and he has to come back to life. So yeah. they they're just they're, they're just uh, leaning into the notions of resurrection by resurrecting new Galadriel, like you said, Dan. I love your theory. Mithril will be less important to her then too. And what's interesting about that, like we, I think we mentioned this earlier about uh, something else, but like they're, they're relying on Tolkien people to have knowledge of who those people are. I know who a Sealdor is because he plays a role later on. I know who Celeborn yeah. is because uh, he's married to Galadriel. They're relying on our knowledge of that, but then they're trying to make us believe, oh, wow, they might be dead. Yeah. How, how does that work? It's point. It's it's stupid. <laughs> like it really is like the no. plot line written by a teenager. Like, it's like they're like maybe they're dead, yeah. but we know they're not. Well, well the and here's we the thing. Like this is something that episodic TV used to do, and I think I brought this up in our chat, Dan, with our patrons. Patrons is that uh, it's like it's like an episode where at the beginning of it you find out Captain Picard is dead, and yeah. you know he's not dead, <laughs> right? But it, you only have to wait forty minutes to figure out why he's not dead, and there's usually a storyline around why he's not dead that made it important for him to be dead for that episode. So here they're just throwing it out there as some sort of like, well, we gotta make something happen. We gotta let's kill Isildur here because it doesn't <laughs> matter if he he has to come back later. We'll just make it important, and so we know <clears throat> that when the orcs are back in town at the end of the episode, they're gonna find Isildur. He's gonna escape somehow, and he's gonna show his uh, warrior bona fides in uh, slaying a couple orcs in his escape or do something along those lines and become the warrior. Well, his he... horse is going to save him. We oh, yeah, that. that's right. Barack Obama. Wasn't that his... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's hey. because his horse brings hope and change. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and the horse won't steal our gerbs. <laughs> Wait, is the horse's name Barak? I just... Uh, is that right? It okay. is. That's right. Uh... <laughs> and canceled. So, um... <laughs> So this scene, this scene that we were just talking about, trying to change the subject from Barack Obama. Um, we we go through this scene here with uh, Isildur. They're managing the the escapees that uh, Theo and Galadriel abandoned, apparently. But <laughs> no, Again, yeah, Jonathan, how do you miss this Jonathan, coming out of the scene? Keen are the eyes of the elves, Jonathan. <laughs> Keen, yes. uh, and speaking of eyes, we go through this whole thing. Blah blah blah. The queen's alive. We find out she's blind. So they're on their way to the encampment up on the hillside, which is completely uh, free. They can walk to where it's free of the pyroclastic flow that hit the, <laughs> that hit the village. So, yeah. Um, so now, now that you guys mentioned it, how Galadriel and Theo are just off on their own just for the purpose of the story that they want to tell. They want to have their ha they have this moment between Theo and Galadriel, but they still end up at the same location by the end of the episode. So are they going in like a different direction? And then they go, oh, crap, we went the wrong way. And well, look, I like that part of it I, doesn't bother me as much. The part, the first part of it where they, they can't find people leaving the village bothers me, like we said. Yeah. But the, but the part where they like they clearly exit different part of the village and they sort of wander up the hillside. And then Galadriel remembers that it, that, that the camp was on a ridge. So she, she, yeah. By Still, the way, though. by the way, a camp 
They had no time to set up because they were galloping straight, covering two days of ground <laughs> oh, in no. one day. You're bringing up more problems. Oh, so, so, so anyway, just just wanted yeah, to say that. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so here we have. Um, <laughs> this is this is the logical place where the psychopaths are are like blaming him for a, a, a branch almost falling on a on a hobbit. So they're going to get out. They're going to abandon him to die. So, yeah. but anyway, the the, uh, he, the the leader of the psychopaths, um, sociopaths, gives him a gives him the map that he's looking <laughs> for. I don't know how that's supposed to help him because he already knows what the stars are. But it, you know, so so the fact that you give him a scrap of paper. But one of the things they, that that giving a scrap of paper with the stars on did allow us to do is is it did allow the writers to show how stupid this their whole dls plotline is in, in, in on yet another angle because he has a line where he says the harfoots that basically nothing like this has happened for over a thousand years so the harfoots have been around keeping records for, for over a thousand, a thousand years, years haven't you least. seen their their big book exactly it was all dusty. exactly so but there's still nomads that can't find their food <laughs> Uh, Which, by know. the way, puts them basically in the first age. So now there's their first age hobbits. Uh, it's it's just it's yeah. just dumb. Yeah. So anyway, so they they abandon him and he goes off. And then um, here's where female Frodo says, "I, I wish you know you know I, sh- I hadn't have done that." Which I thought I'm... to myself, "This is odd," because if you hadn't have befriended the man, you all would be dead because he was the one he pushing your wolves. cart for he was the one pushing your cart for the last two hundred miles. So your whole family would be dead. So why are you regretting yeah. doing that? Right, right. And the wolves, right? He saved them from the wolves. Mm, that's right. What else did he do? He killed the fireflies. So they're they're back to that problem. You know? <laughs> your life is a balance of your good and your bad, and they <laughs> they they set the scales at even, and then they realize that's right. That's right. That's just he's, add, he's his bad. His, the, Egypt, the limb Egyptian falling. He's killed fireflies this. and a dead tree limb. Scenes like this, it just falls so flat for me because it's, you don't, you don't have the sense that these, this is an established character. It's like the characters are, are like learning themselves each scene. Like, who am I now? Now I'm back to this. Now I'm back to that. Now I'm yep. thinking yeah. this. Like, yeah. it's just, it. And you know what they well, do in this episode? It's like they start every Harfoot scene with singing <clears throat> because you know what hobbits do is they sing. And so, Poppy, mm. Poppy, Poopy Foot, I don't remember her name, <laughs> uh, whatever. Is she's uh, she sings in the, like in all the different in all the different uh, uh, all the different scenes. And I'm like, can we can we can we jump away from the singing for just a little bit? I mean, we had them singing beer songs in Peter Jackson's, and certainly song is an important part of. Tolkien's work, but not in every single new scene. It's not like well, they're, they're, they're trying too hard. They, yeah, like, well, what's the Shakespeare yes. line from Hamlet? Me, me thinks the lady doth protest over much. <laughs> uh, that and that's that they're trying yeah. so hard to convince us that these are hobbits, and and but their own writing tells us that they're not. They're just sociopaths. Yeah. yeah. So this scene then becomes. Uh, this is this is where we get the other character. We learn the other character who's important, who's who's dead and not dead, which is Celeborn. Right. Yep, and this and, has been a point of criticism for many weeks yeah. um, and months, where Celeborn, um, her her husband, and and Calabrian, her child, are apparently not in this picture at all. And and so I, I suspect, I, you know, I, there's a nagging fear in the back of my mind—not fear, but just thought—that they actually might have written this scene in. Um, Late in late in the game, um, because that because they they sort of realized oh Maybe. wait wait but it's such we, a it's such a cheap scene and it starts right here where instead of trying to come up with something on their own they they're like mm, what's a great love story that we can harken back to Romeo and Juliet 
Marcus and Cleopatra. <laughs> no, Baron and Luthien. And so we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna just lift that right out of Tolkien's work and say, we met in a glade of flowers, and she was dancing. I was dancing, and he saw me there. Huh. That ruins that that just ruins her her character because we now have to look at her as some sort of representation of Baron and Luthen, if you know who Luthien are. And what what what's what's stupid is that for those of us who know the story well, um, it it matters, but it matters in a negative way. They're, you're like, no, you can't you can't bring Baron and Luthien into Galadriel and Celeborn dead because this is not the Galadriel Celeborn story that's already there, and it. It, it doesn't matter to everybody else. So you're not actually getting any benefit out of recreating the meeting of Baron and Luthien into Celeborn and Galadriel because nobody's going to like it or nobody's going to care. Yeah, exactly. Like, why didn't they, I mean, like you could, anyone, anyone with a half a brain could invent something like, so he saw me walking on the sea sh seashore. You know, the elves love the ocean and the sea. And so you, know, she, you could invent anything where if she wants to talk about how she met her husband um, and, and you don't have to copy Baron and Luthien, but they're clearly copying Baron and Luthien, which as you mentioned, Jonathan, just serves to do nothing but piss off people that actually know Tolkien and know the reference. And the people that don't know Tolkien, it means nothing to them. So who cares? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how like you're dancing. In fact, it seems even less likely because we've seen the Galadriel from the last six episodes and there's exactly zero chance that you would be dancing <laughs> in flowers anywhere. So again, back to bipolar Galadriel um, um, theory. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and this is, and this, here's the other thing why this just, everything about this falls flat. Like she's remembering her husband and she seems very touched by that. Like, and uh, I mean, in a weird way, because she talks her, the only memory she tells uh, besides the dancing um, memory that she tells Theo is that she was making fun of him in his armor as he went off to war. So she, she calls him a silver clam, yeah. which, you know, that's great. So, so it shows a lot of love, but, but here's the thing that is really strange to me. Like, so I, I can see how you can have tremendous love for your family. Like she, she, she has mm -hmm. tremendous love for her brother, Finrod. We have been told by the people creating the show that her motivation, why she is such a rage monkey this entire this this entire season, is because of how much she loves her brother. But you're going to tell me now, you're going to expect me to believe that all this time she's just raging and raging about Sauron killing her brother, and Sauron's armies apparently killed her husband, and she doesn't even mention it. Like your yeah. spouse, your elven, especially if you know anything about how elves. El the, the strength of love that elves have for their spouses. Um, it's just a, a completely unbelievable that this is the very first time that we get, and maybe we the last time all about him. It, that, we, that we hear about Celeborn at all. It just, it just falls yeah. flat. Yeah. It could have been yeah, what's, what's interesting to me is that it seems like they're trying to correct course with Galadriel. Mm. So we're in episode seven. We're finally getting character develop, development of Galadriel where she's not one dimensional Oh, she had a family. Oh, she she has history of, of doing something other than scowling all the time. <laughs> oh, you know, she, oh, she's, she's wise and compassionate. Yeah, she, has, she, has, she has wisdom and she's compassionate and she's trying to teach Theo to, hey, mm -hmm. don't be nihilistic. Let's look at it this way or whatever. Like, she wants to make a soldier out of him. She gives him her sword. and Yeah, yeah. but there's yeah. there's been six episodes where they've had the opportunity to do any of that and they didn't. For, or to for even six, hint that there's a, struggle, there's a struggle within her between her trying to make better decisions and 
her anger is getting the best of her. They don't even lean into that. It's just her her anger all the time. Yeah, the only the, the only one other time that they they that I thought they might go there, they didn't. So this was back in Numenor when she's trying to convince Halbrand, um, right. sorry, yeah. Sauron to come with her, yeah. and she, and she <laughs> and she she's talking to him and she's saying, you know, talking about how everyone turned against her because they they couldn't just they they thought she was evil. She had begun to become the evil she was fighting. So. There's that moment where like, oh, so you recognize that using others is a bad thing. So now you're going to change. And the answer is no, that whole scene is her trying to use Halbro. Halbrand. So yeah. so so that that's her entire purpose. So she has no change. She's exactly the same person. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is no. Yeah. There's, they, like not, you said, they believable. should have started this with this character of Galadriel it would have been far more interesting. And we would have actually felt that we had some relationship with her rather than just disgust. Right now, there's an interesting X-ray quote. I don't know if you can pull that up. Sure. And and this and this is a very this was a very un, unlike last episode where I pointed out that there was an X-ray quote where Amazon seemed to be throwing shade on its own idea about <laughs> the elves. It's not the elves. The, the orcs, orcs. The orcs having a brotherhood. In this quote, they're doing something very different. It's very underhanded. Actually, it's very it's very um, low. And that is they're they're telling us about Celeborn. I think they're just trying to prop up their own um, added in um, a story element about Celeborn. And they they say, as you can see from the screen, Celeborn was a kinsman of Thingol, Great Cloak of Doriath, a king of the elves in the first age. And then they give their their reference, which is Appendix B. That's all correct. Yes. And then they have another sentence right after it that says, "He was last seen marching to a war from which he never returned, but his exact fate remains unknown." And that is complete Amazon BS. That's the invented. Uh, uh, Celeborn, and they put it in the paragraph as if this is from Tolkien. And so half that paragraph is Tolkien, and the other half is just total BS so that they can have um, Galadriel be one note Galadriel. So uh, it's, it's, yeah, that, that was irritating to me. All right. Well, let's move on from Galadriel. She's, she's uh, doling out pithy statements of wisdom once again to her new uh, protege, Theo. Right. Uh, uh, and they have to escape the the orcs that are there that smell nothing but ashes. <laughs> well, the orcs hear Theo start to draw his sword. Um, and the thing I found so lazy was the orcs hear Theo draw his sword and they like come over and they can't smell anything but ashes. And then they walk away. And after like a couple seconds of them walking, you, and, and he puts the sword back in, and it makes the exact same sound and, and they do walking. nothing. Yeah. And then Galadriel starts talking to him, not even in a whisper, and they don't hear her. She's just talking to him normally, like they've been ambling for seven seconds. It's because seconds, the orcs so. used their town portal to get back to where they were. That's right. It's fast travel, right? right. Yep, yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're back to Moria now, where where they decide to uh, dig in and uh, uh, disobey Durin the Fourth's father. Uh, and they find a huge vein of Mithril. It's a nice interchange, I think, they have right there. It, it Like you said, Dan, they, they're a little, they're more invested in the storyline between the two of them, their relationship. Right. Uh, and they've, it's, it's still all discussion rather than showing us that they have a relationship or doing anything together. Uh, this, I guess, is the first time they actually do anything together, although it seems like it's more Elrond watching. And we, we find out that Elrond decided to lose the original rock smashing battle when he first arrived in order to get Durin's ear which seemed odd to me because if he was guaranteed not to be thrown out, it'd be easier to gain his ear at that point too. You, you guys realize what they're leaning into from a laughter, from a humor perspective on this scene, right? Uh, Extended I, edition, two towers, uh, Peter Jackson, 
the scene of Legolas out drinking Gimli. So elf oh. versus dwarf in a contest. And Gelrond even says in this yeah. like, oh, but I was winded by the end of it. Like basically it was the whole, the shtick was Legolas couldn't get drunk. He was drinking and drinking yeah. and he out drunk the dwarf because elven, because the elven um, body is that scene. so perfect that it, that it processes is alcohol. That almost. Yeah, it's in Rohan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so they're just there. Here's a contest between an elf and a dwarf and the elf is admitting that he could have easily beat the dwarf and, you know, but I, I was slightly winded and, and Legolas at the end of that scene, the two, uh, extended edition scene, he's like looking at his fingers and he's like, I think I feel a tingle. You know, like basically, I yeah. I, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so, so that's what so, they're leaning into, which is I fine. So. I'm, I'm okay with the elf dwarf relationship being good, being mm-hmm. being being established. Uh, but um, that's that's all. That's the only relationship that. Yeah, that I did. I did kind of like the idea, and uh, you have to help my understanding a little bit. But he's talking about how the dwarves have secret names that only they themselves know, and he's about to relay that to Elrond. He's going to tell him his secret name. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was that was that yeah. was a good touch. I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, Durin at, at the end of this scene, Jonathan, um, you know, he finds Mithril, and then Durin, his father, finds them, <laughs> and then and and then uh, there's a very intense scene where basically everyone else leaves, and then Durin, his father, disinherits him or shows that he's not fit to be king by removing mm-hmm. his princely collar. Um, and Durin, this Durin's when he's giving him his judgment, he talks about how. Or it's the following scene, maybe where he's talking about his, um, you know, his memory of him when he was young and all that stuff, and how he had a vision. And he uses this phrase, which is really cool. Um, he says, "Terrible is an army with banners." Like this was during his father's vision of him during the fourth, mm-hmm. um, and and that's and that's a phrase from um, Song of Solomon, actually in the Bible. Terrible is an army with banners. Oh, cool. Um, and it, you know, that C.S. Lewis then picks up and uses. Uh, in screw tape letters as well. So and and also it's I found it very to be very Tolkien because it's also in um, Catholic tradition. It's it's we relate the the Song of Solomon uh, chapter six verse ten to the Blessed Mother as well, in which Tolkien had a great uh, devotion to. So so him using that 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 phrase "terrible" as an army with banners is an ancient phrase. And so I, I like the whoever's writing this storyline back to our review from a few episodes ago. That my my theory is like there's two writers that are good out of this whole the whole cadre, and they're they're on they're put on the elf dwarf storyline. So they they actually write some good dialogue sometimes. Mm, and, uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So I like agreed. that. Yeah, the level of the the level of these uh, these scenes is so much higher than like Galadriel and Theo. Or Muriel and Ellen Dill. That's right. That's right. But uh, from he- yeah, you want to you have more you want to say about the disinheriting scene? No, I think I think it's fine. It's it's right after the end of the scene. Is it right after the end of the scene where he goes back? Right, they yell at each other. He says, "Don't pick up your collar," and he goes back. Oh no, we get back to the Harfoots. He doesn't mm-hmm. go back to DC yet. We get no. to the Harfoots, mm-hmm. who all of a sudden the entire orchard is now complete. The magic of not Gandalf has. Uh, has caused the apples to, it, within a short span of 20, 30, 40 minutes, who knows how long, because we don't have any gauge of time in this show, uh, to blossom, <laughs> bloom, grow, and be picked. I love the close captioning that you had it paused on for a second. No, the vittles. <laughs> the vittles. <laughs> you know, these are like the, the Beverly Hillbillies of Fiddler. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. They go through. Uh, and so but this, but this brings us to the cultists, these folks. Yep. The white witches, as I call them. The the white witches. Uh, so they they are. This is Narnia. Uh, 
I, I still, I'm still a little confused why we care about having them because they haven't told us anything about them yet. And I wish they would. All they Jonathan, have done is created Jonathan, a mystery Jonathan, box. Jonathan, yes, yes, we, yes, we don't care. Oh, None of, nobody I'll move cares. On, so here, let's move on. <laughs> like nobody cares about the white witches. I, I like you can't find a single person online who, 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 who talking cares. about them. Like, so what? Yeah. So what we find out is that either. So here's the thing: they they have some magical abilities, right? So in Correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but in Tolkien's world, that means that they are not an elf, a dwarf, a human, a hobbit, and a whale, a shark, a beetle, <laughs> or a squirrel, right? They're none of those things. They can't be anything of the world. They have to have some abilities outside of it, which means that they have to be like, they have to be a Maiar. They have to be either something like a Balrog, something like Sauron, something like, uh, you know, a, a wizard. They have to be something like that. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, you're not wrong. No, this is this is a real problem because if they display abilities like you, you're you're showing this scene where she has the ability to suck up fire and then and then basically cast a spell, blowing embers into flames, and it, it's reminiscent of Gandalf um, lighting pine, pine cones on fire and throwing it down on the wolves, yeah. the wargs that are attacking them, and the Hobbit. Um, you know, so she has this ability to manipulate fire. Like that's an ability. That's that's a thing that only Maiar have. So. So, I mean, I'm afraid what they're going to do is, I mean, I hope they don't do female, like, but these are the female wizards instead of the male <laughs> wizards. Like, that would be really irritating. Well, if they're the female wizards, we already know they're more powerful than the male wizards. Of course so they, they are. are. Like, all of, like all the women in this show. Very. Um, yeah, so, so, so with yeah. this scene, I have, this is where that problem comes up again for me. We're like trying to understand character motivations. We just had a scene with uh, Nori going. I just need to see. I just need to be a Harfoot. I need to keep my head down. I need to not, you know, not go off trail. And what does she do? She yells at these occultists across the field. Oh, the guy! He went that way. And yeah, so she so, literally she, causes the destruction of her entire people's yeah. possessions. Right. Because she wanted to yell something at them, which, by the way, nobody, they wouldn't have believed her anyway. They were following yeah. a trail of yellow flowers. They, they saw yeah. the evidence of his passing. And, and so then after this, so what I was trying to say is like, so then she, she didn't learn her lesson, really. She went back to what she was doing. And then after this, everyone agrees with her. Yeah, we should go off trail and go find the meteor man and form the fellowship of the meteor man. <laughs> I mean, it's just. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. They, I mean, it is. It's true. Like, it's, they're they're either delusional, stupid, or they have contempt for their for their audience because we were not smart enough to to actually think things through. Yeah. Uh, I don't. It it's doesn't like make either, sense. Either, either they're supposed to learn the lesson of keeping their head down, or they're supposed to learn the lesson of we need to be more broad minded, and you know, maybe not. Maybe we can go off trail and be adventurous sometimes. And it it's like everything that they learn by doing that is teaching them don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, but then they, they do that anyway. and then they do it anyway it's like well right. why what's their motivation what what is their See, thought process your problem dan is that you're trying to use logic to try <laughs> to understand there is no logic just like at the end of this scene there's no logic to the fact that there's been this massive confrontation and these white witches just destroyed their homes and then what there's no response we see nothing from either of them the scene cuts and then yeah. when we come back to the dlss later on they're just like trying to pick up the wreckage like they're in the midst of a, a like we've been building, I guess, to this confrontation between what the white witches and the DLSs, and then the confrontation, and then we're in the middle of the confrontation, and then they just cut away. It's like it didn't matter because all they care about is like, and they're 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 home. What happens destroyed. to them next? Oh no, let's cut away. Yeah, it, um, it, it's terrible. And we cut away to the to the uh, 
<laughs> to the... they, they built this in like 30 minutes. It's amazing to me that the rocks, the pyroclastic explosions reached Greenwood the Great, the edge of Greenwood the Great, but they didn't reach like up the ridge from the, the town. I don't understand. It okay. seems to be a refrain in our pot. Mm. And, this, and this is something we talked about in the last episode, right? Where they, they're, they're, they're looking at the map while they're on the ship. And they're like, okay, we got to, it takes us one day to get there. Then when we land, it'll take another day to get there. And then they've been there for one day. They had the one battle the same day. And then they come back and this whole camp is built. It's like, yeah. where the hell yeah. did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. But, but El- Elendil this... has, has forget. Oh, it is Barack. It's Barack, <laughs> Barack Obama. He's on He's free now. He's no longer shackled. <laughs> by oh, the... no. oh, no. <laughs> we're so canceled all right <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway the, i don't know why they, the, the horse you know, like you said the horse has got to be important the horse is going to save isildur he's going to be there of course he it's is. So, he's isildur's real friend he's, he's the His new dad, shadow facts isildur's dad doesn't do like apparently he's he's reduced to to being broken, a broken man and crying at every scene now that his son is dead, but he didn't bother to like go back the 20 minutes to, to the village to, to look for him. Like, that's what I'm supposed mm. to believe. And then now the horse is going to go save him. Also, Elendil has apparently forgotten how to talk to horses. He was talking to horses. Yeah, uh, yeah he was calming yeah. him down earlier, but no one can yeah. calm him now with, because yeah, with Elvish. Yeah. How did Isildur go from stable boy to being in the battle? That's what I want to know. Muriel oh. was like, Tom, Muriel was like, hey, go down there. You want to go fight? Sure, go ahead. And yeah, how was how, he next to her? I don't know. Yeah, how did he go from stable boy to being like Stop the queen Stop asking star? the damn questions, Dan. This is... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, Dan, though. The stable boy should have been back at that camp that they apparently built in like three seconds up on the oh, ridge. Oh, good point. Yes. El- Ellendale's probably going like, why was my son in the battle, right? Like, how did he get there? Like, like yeah. the horses here needed to be tended for, the 300 that didn't ride in that were still on the boats. <laughs> Uh, so, oh, so Theo and Galadriel, they make it into camp. Theo finds his mom, Yippikaye. Uh, that none hey, of guys, that matters. Guys, guys, look, I want to point out Bronwyn is actually healing someone. This is like <gasps> the first time, the first what? time that the, he- the healer's actually been healed. Well, I mean, I mean, presumably she's in the healer's tent and then that's she's, true. There, there are people being tended. We don't actually see her. She healing, still has but... no blood on her. That's impressive. And she's no, no singeing and her makeup hasn't even been burned Man, off by the fires. Good. Her... But she's doing pretty well for someone who got stabbed by an arrow. Look at, wait, look. It's <laughs> a good point too. And last she's episode. just walking around. She's great. All right. So there we have Muriel. Oh, look, she's... Muriel who didn't want anyone to know she was blind is now using a blindfold. <laughs> gosh every moment it's like another thing guys i mean and we see here that, that this incident has now created great resolve and the invasion of numenor and onto middle earth was is now going to happen the because, full invasion yep the so they're going to go back and get more angry volunteers for the elves that were going to take their jobs <laughs> That's right and get and a, they, an they, might, they, they might send three more boats <laughs> five I mean, three. <laughs> All right. Yeah, three. So, so, so the scene, uh, obviously, it's, it's made to create some tension between Galadriel and Elendil because Elendil is angry that they're going back. He just wants to go back to Numenor. The guy who is the faithful, the one who wants to save the Numenorians from the wrath of That's the Valar. Right. The head of the he's, faithful. He's the guy who decides not to, not to be the one to be faithful to the, the the commitments that he's already made to the elf. So anyway, uh, uh, this whole scene. Anyway, it's again, girl power moment. And ca- Captain, we sail with the tide is almost oh, as good no. as Captain, we sail with the tide at first light. 
because I didn't notice. <laughs> I think they said it two or three times in this episode. We were going to do something at first light. There must be like six or seven times in the show where they mm. say at first light. That's right. Because that's the only time things ever happen. So here we go. Here we go. Last scene Sorry. with the Harfoots where we get the most awesome character, Hobo Baggins, giving us <laughs> the story uh, of the real Harfoots. Apparently, everything they've told us about the oh, Harfoots and the how they how they treat each other, they their hearts are bigger than their feet, even though in relation to them, their, their feet are the right size. So they yeah, why would they think their feet are big? Feet are big. That's, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, 5715, his quote, this is, my, this is my favorite one. But there's one thing we can do, I warrant, better than any creature in all Middle Earth. We stay true to each other. <laughs> no, no, dude, literally you don't. That's literally your your whole model of society is based on not staying true to each other. No matter how the path behind. winds or how steep it gets, unless, I mean, if the path is windy and you get lost, then we leave you behind. If right. it's really steep and you trip and, and twist your ankle, then we'll leave you behind. If there's some bees on the road, we leave you behind. <laughs> if, there, if there's snow, we leave you behind. If we come across a land which has a little less food than we thought it would have, we leave you behind because we blame you. If a branch almost hits somebody else because they did something stupid, we leave you behind. Like this is this is your entire model for civilization. And so you're a liar. You're a big fat liar. I mean you're a little little dirty liar, but yeah. so this is, is basically where they the whole scene here is basically the council of Elrond. It's like I will do it. I will go see. I will go find the meteor man. <laughs> That's a good point. And so you got Frodo, and then you've got her Sam, or whatever the other girl's name is. You've, uh, yeah, you've got not without me. Not without yeah. me. Yeah, that's, you that's have the, and my, and my axe. axe. Oh my gosh! That's awesome. <laughs> and my salad in my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, oh, and the then, finishing line is so dumb. Oh. I I hated it because if he actually believed that he thought his wife was right all the time. <laughs> you know, Malva, he would have left them behind a long time ago. Yes, just. Just once, it would be nice if you weren't right all the time. Um, okay, you don't remember perhaps last episode when she said that we should leave, we should take their wheels. That was her. She said we should take their wheels. Was that the right choice? Should they have taken their wheels? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. And she was no. angry that she would. They would be still with the caravan. Even she's uh -huh. like, we, uh -huh. we need to decaravan. Was them. she right that time? No. Oh, okay. So why do they write these lines that are just patently false? Like because they they're bad writers. Are they are they checking off a box to like, oh, we want the women to to be empowered no. or. Is it, I, think, is it I, I do think or is it just I, laziness? No, I don't even think it's laziness. I, I think this is like, why do you write this line? He's he's clearly he starts it by saying just this once, and we're meant like like some some episode of Three's Company in the eighties to think that at the at, at the start of the line that you're he's like, oh, he's gonna tension, he's gonna he's gonna go against his wife. No. And it's like surprise, no, she's right about everything. Like er, like, you know every single 80s and 90s sitcom it's it you know the, the husband's always wrong the wife is always right it's just it's just woke crap so they all leave they're on this awkward waddle down the hillside i'm trying to figure out is that the i mean where are they exactly like if is the greenwood is Mirkwood off to their left north of them is that yeah yeah they're they're no, he's um, going to greenwood they're going to Mirkwood, they're, they're go right? going towards greenwood yeah um, which will then later be called Mirkwood. Mirkwood, right but but so they're it looks like they're south of greenwood south of what's um so southern okay. Mirkwood. 
on the maps that we have with Tolkien. And, and, um, and so they're heading the north towards, towards Greenwood, All right. which is where uh, not Gandalf went and the White Witches. Yes. So, so um, yeah, and the next one we have a uh, scene back with Galadriel, Bronwyn, and Arendir. And we and... find out Halbro is still alive. He made it. He's, he's wounded. Sauron he's is wounded. Skewered. And romantic. He's and, so romantic. And, and the only thing that's going to save him is elvish medicine. Right. So um, I know. Take him back with you to the elves. This is how, of course, Sauron goes to the elves and, I guess, corrupts them or something. Yes. I don't know. And the, and the, the remaining... 74 people in his kingdom start shouting his name strength to the king or start chanting strength to the king strength to the king because remember you know, believe he's the new aragorn what i mean like look at they're just trying too hard like the only king in this entire show we have during the fourth mm-hmm. uh, sorry during the third we yeah. have gilgalad we have tarmiriel and then we have sauron uh, halbro and the only king that gets any sort of respect from his people and where they're happy about them at all is the guy that we know isn't the real king. Yeah. So they're, they're just trying too hard, like, oh, he's yeah. the king. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, we know he's not. Yeah. And I think we can, we can end this episode on the note that they go galloping off to an elven medicinal fort somewhere i guess either that or they have to go all the way to a region or linden which is you know a couple of months on land it's just one cut away it's just no. one cut away it'll be they the just have scene. to get to the black on, <laughs> off off the screen Jonathan. reach the letterboxing and it'll be like boop, exactly like you're, and then whoop you're you're gonna be wherever you want to be but we do have one more scene right with the balrog do we? Oh, right. The most important scene yet. Oh, we where, have Disa. We have oh, Disa being we don't a end yet. I was so excited it was over. Uh, uh, sorry. Disa becomes the 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 dastardly princess of doom here, where she decides yeah, she that encourages her son to um, commit treason. Her her husband. Uh, but, sorry, her husband. Yes, uh, her husband son, to commit son. treason. And I tell me this: I'm not sure if we're meant to identify with her. Or we're meant to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're meant to be angry that this is her take on what Durin should do. Or it, I feel like they want us to be more, they, they, they want us to identify with what she's doing and feel like that's a good thing. Right. Is that true? I, I don't know. I, I, I do think so. You know, there, there, there's both sides, Jonathan, because they are clearly going to show us that um, Durin the fourth, is, uh, Durin the third, rather, the king, King Durin is right. Um, because the you know, we see the Balrog at the end of this scene. Like if they yeah. had broke broke into the mithril veins, then the, the Balrog they be they would be basically right next to the Balrog. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. so we we see Durin's wisdom. We're shown it, but we're but emotionally we're supposed to be siding with Disa and and uh, Prince Durin. Yeah, I do like the line from Durin um, where he goes, "What kind of father would I be if I'm teaching my kids it's okay to re- re- rebel against the king?" I did like that line too. Yeah, and I thought yeah. that was good. And at least yeah. it shows the conflict within him, which we don't get in many other characters. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This uh, is our this, my favorite storyline. This this yes. this dwarf elf thing. Yeah. This here, though, he wants to bury the evidence. He wants to get rid of the leaf that was that was healed, and so he'll just go ahead and he'll drop it down the shaft. And it was pretty easy to guess was good, what was going to be at the bottom of the mithril psyllin shaft. Yeah, and we'd seen this already, right? From the pre- yeah, it was in the, the previews trailer. in the trailers. Yeah, we saw the leaf going. It down. It wasn't clear that it was in fact the leaf which would wake the Balrog, though. 
<laughs> what were you saying about this, Dan? It was pretty funny. Just the idea. So we've gone from the dwarves delve too greedily and too deep to it's going to become a humanitarian mission to save the elves. And now we have that changing into they just throw a stupid leaf down a shaft and it wakes up the balrog yeah and look at how angry the balrog gets at one single leaf imagine what he's going to do to a ton of dwarves <laughs> this leaf really gets his goat yeah <laughs> what's crazy to me is how close that is the leaf fell for like what for like three seconds like it's he's right underneath their floor basically <laughs> Distance, so time and distance don't matter. They just don't matter. In the show. Yeah, the pickaxes breaking open the wall didn't wake him up, but a leaf <laughs> it was did. A leaf falling <laughs> forty-five feet down the shaft of Mithril. Uh, and then but we we're getting the, the Balrog, so hey, you know that that will soothe all wounds. And but you know that's that's the problem with prequels. Like we know the Balrog can't isn't going to die. We, yeah. Like no, there's no there's no actual tension in any of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought the like two scenes ago was the last scene, but no. Here's the best the best cinematic moment of the entire show so far. <laughs> <laughs> the awkward realization uh, that they thought they were pulling one the fast one on us, and we thought, oh yeah, they've been in the Southlands the whole time. And they're like, oh no, oh no, it's not the Southlands anymore, people. How dare you think this is the Southlands? Because in reality, you know what it is? It's Mordor. I, I mean, that was so cheesy. They, I mean, they're just putting in there just in case their audience is as clinically moronic as their writers. Like, <laughs> why? It's so insulting. It's so insulting. Yeah. Does anybody not know that they're that we're in Mordor? I, I don't get it. And then like. It kind of looks like a Metallica font. Like they're like it's like a, it's like a, it's an album cover from the eighties. Yeah, uh, I think everybody thought got a chuckle out of that, going like, "Why? Why are they telling us it's the south?" Oh, like they could have like just left it and made it made it kind of subtle. Just the shot yeah. of of the mountain and the smoke and the fire. Leave it's it to your cl- imagination. You already know. Classic. It's the classic show. Don't tell. And yeah. they just don't know that lesson. So they're like, yeah. no, no, we have to tell them in case there's this one guy somewhere that doesn't realize that this is Mordor. They were probably deciding between doing this or having Adar break the fourth wall and look into the camera. So <laughs> That's it's <right>. Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought for money. sure he was going to say like, money to say that. He, <laughs> he, he was going to change it. When they thought, I'm like, oh, Adar's going to name it Mordor now. It's gonna, he's going to name it after him. Adar is a permutation of the name Mordor and, Nope, but they, they 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 picked an even worse possibility, which is mm. just by I dubbed this land Adartopia. Okay, after <laughs> all of this, <laughs> this is going to be the land of more Adar, more Adar. As I say <laughs> Mordor. <laughs> uh, so here's the funny thing, right? After all this, guys, we, we when our brief discussion before we started recording, after all of this, we all agreed that this was still. The best episode yet. Yeah, it, yeah. I think the word is not best you're looking for. I think least worst is the word. You're I know. Every for. the last couple episodes have been the least worst. Well, this this is episode. the first time I watched an episode, and I, I I watched it all the way through, and I and I'm I'm analyzing it critically, but at the same time, like I didn't mind the scenes, like the like the the the, the stuff with the dwarves going on, uh, the 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 mm-hmm. struggle of Durin the Fourth of yeah. the dialogue between him and Elrond and how they're showing you their love for each other. And like, this is the first time I watched one of these episodes and, and even some of the thing with Galadriel where she's talking, she's talking to Theo 
and you're seeing a different side of her yeah. and she's a little bit more uh, self-reflective and a little bit more thoughtful about what she is and what she's doing. And um, that's really true. Jan, there's, there's, there's a little bit of softness to her. This is the first time I watched the whole episode. And I'm like, that was okay. Mm -hmm. was, yeah. Was, well, Galadriel is actually a likable character in this episode. Yeah. Like if you yeah. saw this episode without any others, this was your first episode you ever watched. Yeah. It would be believable that this might be a young Galadriel. Like she has this line, like you were referencing Dan. Uh, there was one of my, not, uh, lines I liked from this, this episode, which was, there are powers beyond darkness that work in this world. Perhaps on days such as this, we have little choice but to trust um, to their designs and surrender yeah. our own. Like, whoa, okay. You're talking about Eru here. You're talking Luvatar's plan. You're talking about the Valar looking yeah. after the people. Like, this is the real Galadriel, believable young, younger Galadriel. Um, right. This yeah. is, and, and, and if we just hadn't had six and a half hours of of rage monkey galadriel then this then i mean it might have been uh tolerable yeah that, that was six hours of a galadriel who would not have said that line yeah that's right right they she, have, would, they she, have would, she wouldn't believe that because she is going to make her destiny she is going to get because her vengeance the she tempest... has to do it herself and no one's going to give it to her that's the galadriel right. we've seen for six hours the tempest they made it clear that the tempest within her rules everything that she right. does and that's somehow right. this volcanic explosion blasted that tempest right out of her. Well, let's see. That's that's where I'm going with Dan's theory. It's it's a different it's the, Galadriel. It's she was Galadriel killed. the White. The tempest in me, Galadriel, was killed, and Galadriel um, from Tolkien's work yeah. was actually uh, resurrected at that point. Yeah, you're so. probably right. You're probably right. You know, here's the thing. After after watching it, I also thought it was funny. Is that if this, if they two things, I guess. One, if they started this show more like this episode, right? If they would have started the show with major parts of this episode, that would have been far more interesting than mm -hmm. in the in the in the five, six episodes before this. And I think that speaks to what you said too earlier. Um I'm not sure if it was before we recorded or not, but where where you said they knew the endpoints of the season. They know where they're going for and they have to have eight episodes of uh plot leading up to that. And so we got almost six episodes of filler plot until things actually happen. Yeah, um, and yeah, we and, were we, we were talking about this beforehand. How basically it's two episodes worth of content. Yes, so we've yes. we've now had seven episodes, and we I legitimately think first of all you just remove the t entire uh, dirty little sociopath mm -hmm. storyline doesn't need it doesn't need to happen at all. There's literally nothing in that entire storyline of not Gandalf and the dirty little sociopaths and the White Witches. Nothing mm -hmm. is necessary. It adds nothing to this show. So you remove all of that, and then you could you could cut the seven episodes down to uh, two i think you could have done it in two episodes and you would you would have a nice tight um series you'd have to have better writers because the dialogue's yeah. still awful you'd have to have better cinematographers you know, because they yeah. don't know how to they don't know how to film battles or or make anything realistic they could and you have, have, have never, one guy that I mean, knows that keeps track of where your time your time yeah, and play yeah, geography yeah, is yeah. but apparently that's not enough yeah they could have simply left galadriel in middle earth still fighting and she comes up on where they mentioned the one thing we didn't mention about is of peller gear which is mm -hmm. where a, a Numenor or numenorian outpost used to be apparently but she could have gone there and met with the numenorians and then created the story out of that and that would have been one a little bit more canon but two you would have needed all this other crap around galadriel and her being angry and being tempesty and meeting halbrand and and that that entire storyline that hasn't really done anything for us yet either and then except make it clear that she's bipolar or dead yeah. in dan's theory yeah so that was that was that was the first point is that this if they would have started I think always of Star Wars it's so easy to go back to that but right they started it in the middle of a battle they literally started the show in the middle of a battle 
And it makes it opens up all these questions for you of what the J.J. Abrams acolytes like, acolytes like to call mystery boxes. Everything's a mystery from the beginning. Why are they in the battle? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Why are the bad guys after the good guys once you figure that out? Who's the main bad guy? They try and establish all those points up front without putting them in a situation that establishes it for us. They just tell us who all these people are. And they could right. have done that. But in this episode, starting off with the battle, starting off with uh, the conflicts of the different characters, but they don't do that. They start off with, a prologue that lasts five and a half to six hours. Uh, so that, that's my first point of this one. My second point of this is, um, like you said, Dan, the show was okay this time around. It was, it was okay. But you know what would have made it even better if, it's, if it wasn't Tolkien? Because we wouldn't be questioning all these decisions that they had of the characters that we already know. True. Mm -hmm. uh, if the, the mithril thing, I would, nobody would care about that. The cultists, nobody would really care about it. that. Even the dirty little sociopaths, we wouldn't really care about those because we're not coming from a point of uh, familiarity yet. Uh, and so when they create the story and say it's Middle Earth, you're giving us a point of reference that we're going to start judging you by. If they would have created this their, their own story within this within a new world, it would have been far more enjoyable for me and for you know probably half the viewing audience at this point because we're not going off of the familiarity familiarity that we already have with Middle Earth, whether by reading or even by Peter Jackson's world, because we're judging you based on that. Anyway, that was my take on on this episode too. If it was That's not Tolkien, it would actually. My reaction would certainly be a whole lot better, but they would have to still start somewhere within this episode and right. you know, convert the first six episodes to one and have this one and, and go. Anyway, anyway, any yep. final thoughts, guys, about, about this before we um, shut it down for week seven and <laughs> anticipate <laughs> week eight? I'm so sorry for everybody who listens to our podcast, Window on the West, that we haven't done the Silmarillion lately. But man, like we spend, well, geez, an hour and 24 minutes so far getting into this episode. Mm -hmm. We, we spend a lot less time on the Silmarillion because we don't have to deconstruct it to the degree that we have to tear this thing apart because it's you so just, easy uh, You just hey, convicted hey. me. I, I, I feel like I'm wasting my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I read, I read a passage from the Silmarillion today. So, you know, oh, you did. Hey, that's good. Yeah, and we learned about Baron and Luthien in this. Oh, no, that was, that was Celeborn and Glad. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, well, thanks, everybody, for following along with us. I hope you enjoyed our long conversation these just keep getting longer so um my apologies i guess i don't know it's fun though season we're, finale next we have week. a lot of fun yeah. we might tear it down at times but we have a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed it we enjoyed it um one more week we'll do this one more time uh and then we'll we'll have some other uh podcasts but i hope you follow us at windowofthewest.com windowonthewest.com uh where we have our podcast we're reading through the silmarillion in addition to right now we're posting some of these in-depth reviews there too uh, that is actually part of the OneRing.com, where you can become a patron at the OneRing.com slash patron and join our Discord server, our private Discord server. It's $4 a month, and the first month is free. So there you go. You don't have to pay anything until you decide whether it's worth your money. Uh, but thanks for following along, and we'll see you next week when we get in depth on the ultimate episode, the final episode of season one. And we didn't even talk about that they're starting to film season two yet, but hey, that's for another episode. But the final <laughs> episode coming in one week. And uh, and we'll, we'll figure out uh, if uh, Halbrand is really Sauron. One more. Really Sauron. All right, guys. Thanks for Bye. listening. We'll see you next time. All right.